What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. You know, I had a dream that all the trees that have been cut down to make paper for pre-approved credit card junk mail came back and went all J.R.R. Tolkien on Citibank. That was your weekend. We've got a great show planned for you tonight. There's been a lot in the news today, and we're going to tackle as much of it as we can with some very special guests. Professor Corey Brettschneider will be with us later on in this hour to talk about both, well, how real is it to start using the D word around Trump? That would be dictator and dictatorship. Maybe you've noticed all the press is really building up more and more. New York Times, Washington Post, they're all doing, the Atlantic, all doing real, real deep articles about how deeply authoritarian a second Donald Trump term might be. I don't think Donald Trump is ever going to be president again, but I think it's very, very important enough people get scared to think he could be to get this Democratic Party all set up for next year. So uh, we'll talk with Professor Brett Snyder about that. Also, comedian Rhonda Hansom is with us, hour number two. So Thea Harper and I are all by ourselves in the Howard Stern Tower, 293 floors high above Gotham. This building is empty, folks. It is empty. It is scary. And there's Thea and me and the, the housekeeper and the security guard. And that's it. And these two identical twin girls I see wearing the same clothes in the hallways that want me to go play with them forever and ever. It is so empty here. So please give us a call. Let's fill the Howard Stern Tower with some life tonight at 866-997-GRIT. It's been a pretty packed day. The White House warned us that aid to Ukraine is going to end this month, urging Congress to take action sooner rather than later. Guess how that landed with the Republicans. Also a former U.S. diplomat and ambassador to Bolivia has been arrested and charged with operating as a spy for Cuba for the better part of the last 40 years. Moscow's detention of Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich hits 250 days today. Their editor-in-chief says we will continue to pull any lever possible, both public and private, pressing for his release and keeping his story top of mind, as we have done every day over the past eight months. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court is looking at Purdue Pharmaceuticals' bankruptcy filing and opioid settlement, which currently, as you guys know, releases the deeply corrupt criminal Sackler family that poisoned everybody's grandma from any future legal actions. At the COP28 Climate Summit, the U.S. led a group of 20 partner nations in a call to triple the number of nuclear power plants by the year 2050. And just before we went on the air, 
Legislators in Ohio want to make sweeping changes to the legal cannabis law that was passed by voters this year, raising taxes, lowering potency and possession amounts and barring home growing before the law can take effect because right wing politicians don't actually care about freedom. They don't actually care about liberty. They don't actually care about states' rights. And they really don't care about the free market. Also, the UK Defense Ministry has just reported tonight they believe Russia has lost an estimated 320,000 troops in Ukraine. Can you imagine this? Three, since, since February 2022, the UK Defense Ministry has reported in an intelligence update today that 320,000 Russian soldiers, and by soldiers, I mean anyone he could get to fight, convicts who were pulled out of their cells and conscripted, 320,000 Russian troops have been killed so far. Today is the 90th birthday of Wink Martindale. Happy birthday, sir. Uh, today is the birthday of a friend of our show, Jeff Bridges. He was born in the state in 1949, one of our favorite guests. Happy birthday to Marissa Tomei, the great Cassandra Wilson. Bob Dylan once said she was the best singer in America, and he may have been right. I saw her open for Ray Charles, and my God, that woman's amazing. Jay-Z, born in the state in 1969. Led Zeppelin officially broke up 43 years ago tonight. The Grateful Dead gave their first ever concert performance under their new name. 40, I'm, I'm sorry, 58 years ago tonight. Frank Zappa died at age 52 in L.A. from pancreatic cancer 30 years ago tonight. Happy birthday to the first ever Burger King opened in Miami on this date in 1954 and on this date in 1861. The 109 electors of the states of the fledgling Confederate States of America unanimously elected Jefferson Davis as their president and Alexander Stevens as their vice president. That happened on this date, the 4th of December, 1861. Happy anniversary all y'all who celebrate, we know which political party 100% of you belong to. All right, let's get to it. I want I want to start with a story about revoltingly fake Christians, if I could, because I've wanted to get to this story last week and we didn't have a chance. But it's 10 years since Pope Francis became the head of the Roman Catholic Church. 2013, when Benedict stepped down and retired and became Pope Emeritus, but he, he still made Pope Benedict wear the trainee badge for a decade. Anyway, almost as soon as Pope Francis became the pontiff, this guy Raymond Burke, an American cardinal, kind of emerged as not just his leading critic, but his leading American critic and his leading right-wing anti-pope. For people who call themselves traditionalists, who don't like popes, who do things that are more, you know, like Jesus said. Look, in any time we're talking about organized religion, especially in America, and always with extreme conservatives, Terrible people who hide behind God are still terrible people. Raymond Burke, the cardinal, he's best known for being the guy who denied communion to John Kerry during John Kerry's 2004 presidential campaign. And he said he wouldn't do it because John Kerry supports women's rights to abortion. John Kerry doesn't believe the state has the power to force pregnant rape victims to carry and bear their rapist children. John Kerry, like most Democrats, believes that Americans have a right to not be pregnant. John Kerry doesn't want to punish poor women with greater poverty. And of course, the Bible's not against abortion. So John Kerry has always supported a woman's right to reproductive freedom. This guy, Burke, came out and said, we should not give the Eucharist to Kerry 19 years ago. Like a lot of clergy said it about Nancy Pelosi, too. Funny thing here is, uh, Bible not against abortion. Jesus, deeply against the death penalty, overturns eye for an eye in Sermon on the Mount. 
Have you ever heard of a conservative Catholic clergy who came out and said, oh, we can't give the Eucharist to anyone who supports the death penalty? How do you call yourself a Catholic? Never. So that's how you know they're full of crap and their concerns have nothing to do with actual Christianity, just their own mean little club. In fact, uh, Pope Benedict was so embarrassed of what Burke did in 2004 to avoid a repeat of this in 2008. He actually removed Burke as the Bishop of St. Louis and moved him to Rome. Of course, that meant he was living in Rome when Francis became Pope and they have been very far apart. Cardinal Burke openly, brazenly, disagrees with the Pope on immigration. He says that's a threat to the West Christian values. Do you catch the irony on that? Turning away refugees because they're a threat to your Christian values. Dude, if you're turning away refugees, you don't have Christian values. He was deeply opposed to the fact that Francis uh, treats gay people the way Jesus told you to. Cardinal Burke is 75 now, and he has spent 10 years insulting this Pope every chance he gets. And the right-wing conservative Catholics love this guy. Oh, they cheer him all the time. And he's accused the Pope of alienating all those conservatives because you're so goddamn inclusive. He's a big fan of European nationalists. And of course, spoiler alert, he's a huge fan of Donald Trump. And I'll say this again. And I'll say this in case we have any conservative brothers and sisters listening tonight. Uh, It is not possible to follow Jesus and support Donald Trump. Can I say that again? Not possible. You can call yourself whatever the goddamn hell you want to call yourself in terms of your unauthorized Jesus fan club. You can call yourself a Christian. You have a right to do that. I have a right to call myself Mick Jagger if I want, but I'm not Mick Jagger and you're not Christians, you flock fleecing frauds. So, so anyway, Cardinal Burke has done this for years and he loves Donald Trump. He always attacks the Pope on immigration, always attacks the Pope on treating LGBTQ people like they're people. And he's considered the head of the right wing opposition to this Pope. He argued against having an assembly in October to talk about making the Catholic Church more inclusive towards LGBTQ people, granting women and non-priests more opportunities. In 2014, Francis fired Cardinal Burke from the Congregation of Bishops. And the Cardinal said that was because he was talking too much about abortion, how marriage is between one man and one woman, yada, yada, yada. Cardinal Burke sees himself as a traditionalist, right? He's the loyal defender of the church's doctrinal law and the papal traditions. And he calls what Francis does a confusion, error, and division because Francis doesn't fucking hate on people. Because Francis doesn't pretend that Jesus wants women who terminate pregnancies to go to jail. Because Francis doesn't pretend that Jesus hates the same gay people as much as fucking Cardinal Burke does. But he keeps doing it. He recently sat on stage in a theater in Rome at a forum sponsored by La Nuova Basola Cotidina. And he invade against an assembly that has the harmful goal of reshaping the hierarchy of the church with radical ideas like not being dicks to gay people. So they're called radical traditionalists, the rad trad Catholics, and their leaders want a schism. Their leaders hate this Pope because this Pope doesn't hate. And again, you can be an atheist and still dig on this conversation. You don't need to believe any Catholic doctrine. You don't need to believe anything in the Bible to see what's going on here. These guys say we're the right wing and we're right and we have the real theology. These cardinals and these bishops and these priests like Burke. And they're the ones hurting Christianity. They're the ones leading Catholics into hate. They are the ones creating an atheist factory. They are the reason why people are deciding, maybe I don't want to belong to this cult filled with homophobic men in dresses and funny hats that has nothing to do with the nice guy Jesus I read so much about. These guys are heroes to Catholics who don't read the Bible, who don't think very deeply, and who get really caught up in emotional rants 
Again, fascism 101. Who's a threat? They're a threat. Let's shit on them. Also, Francis likes priests to be modest, you know? Cardinal Burke, not modest. Have you seen this guy? I recommend Googling his outfits. My God, for a homophobe? Girl, what a queen. Wears these long trains of watered silk and velvet gloves. His title, his grand title, is Prefect of the Supreme Tribunal of the Apostolic Signatura, which is hard to put on a business card. And his ecclesiastical dress, these long silk cloaks. He wears capes, this guy. The Kappa Magna. At one point, some Vatican officials actually asked him to tone it down a bit. And during the pandemic, I kind of thought Francis was getting pissed off at this guy more and more. Cardinal Burke uh, was going after the vaccine. And Francis was on a, a, a press conference in 2021 on the papal plane. And he was talking about these vaccine negationists. And he was referring to Cardinal Burke when he said it. This was right after Cardinal Burke. This is a, a cardinal in the Catholic Church said this conspiracy theory that COVID vaccines were being used to implant microchips, I'm going to quote him now, under the skin of every person so that at any moment he or she can be controlled regarding health and regarding other matters, which we can only imagine as a possible object of control by the state. It's a cardinal in the church who never got upset about child rape, saying if you get this vaccine, you're going to be controlled by an entity <laughs> that's going to have the power over you that religion is supposed to have. And of course, Cardinal Burke got COVID-19 and he was placed on a respirator in an American hospital. We're very glad he lived, very glad he recovered. But now it's just been announced. Pope Francis has finally had it with Cardinal Burke and has said, fuck off, yo. Pope Francis has taken away the subsidized Vatican apartment and salary from Cardinal Raymond Burke, his biggest critic. Francis has put up with abuse from this guy for 10 years from his right wing troll. And Francis has turned the other cheek and turned the other cheek, which I understand is actually supposed to be popular in his religion. But he met last week with church leaders and said he was going to do it because Cardinal Burke fostered disunity in the church and was using his privileges to undermine the institution. What the hell took this pope so long? My God, if I could be as patient as this guy, I mean, I get that he loves to give people second chances, and I respect that. But if you followed this guy, Cardinal Burke, over the past decade, his nonsense, his lies, his double talk and jive, and his groveling at the feet of Donald Trump, who wipes his gigantic, filthy ass with the gospel every day, how has the pope been this patient? I mean, if Burke was a traditionalist, if he really was the traditionalist he says he is, then he would see anything Pope Francis does as directed by God. That's how you know these guys are frauds. They'll always talk to you when a Republican's in office and say, oh, St. Paul says in, in, in Romans, you have to obey the, the governing authorities. God put them there. And then as soon as a Democrat's president, they forget about that. But it's the same thing. If you really are this conservative, then you believe the Pope was anointed by God. He's simply the vessel through which God acts according to tradition. Look, I, I look on the church as a business because it is. And if you as an executive VP were to constantly criticize your CEO in public, you'd be fired. You would be. It happened to Bishop Strickland in Texas. But this guy is still drawing a Vatican salary of around five to six thousand euros a month while living in a huge rent free Vatican apartment, about five thousand square feet. <laughs> and he's been using his privileges against the church. Good for Pope Francis. Good for him dragging this institution into the 21st century, whether it's right wing members like it or not, because guys like Cardinal Burke are exactly what drives so many people away from organized religion. 
these far-right Catholics who are screaming about the collapse of young adults attending church. But who wants to show up at a church to support these nasty, bigoted hypocrites? This guy is not a Catholic traditionist, Cardinal Burke. He has systemically supported politicians who oppose Catholic teachings on the death penalty, who oppose Catholic teachings on the availability of automatic weapons or torture or war. All that is against Catholic teachings. This guy supported George W. Bush, who had so many executions in Texas, who had an illegal war over John Kerry, who was actually Catholic. He supported Donald Trump, who, you, again, you cannot be a Jesus follower and vote for Donald Trump. If you think I'm wrong, call me and tell me the scripture I've missed. But he supports Trump over Biden, who's another Catholic. He is not a traditionalist. He is a heretic. And it's time to start calling these right-wing fake Christian frauds the right names. The only way the Catholic Church survives two more generations is if they go more in Pope Francis's way, not Burke's ultra-conservative position. That'll get people in there somewhat, but it's a smaller net, a smaller tent. Love thy neighbor as you would love yourself, and everything do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That means no exceptions, including LGBTQ people. And a cardinal who puts more trust in the moral goodness and leadership of Donald Trump than the Pope isn't Catholic. So here's what I know, friends. Homophobia? It's, you can't be a follower of Jesus and be a homophobe. It's, it's not in scripture. The one part of the Bible that says being gay is wrong is the same part of the Bible that says you have to execute people who commit adultery. Bible's not anti-birth control. It's really not. It's not anti-abortion. It's not anti-women in the clergy. The fir- and, and, and by the way, it's not anti-married priests either. The first pope, St. Peter, married for a thousand years. None of this shit has any basis in scripture. And I also know that saying this can get me excommunicated from the Catholic Church. And that's fine. Because if I am, I'll go (laughs) out of that church I was baptized into and haven't been to in 10 years fighting for decency and fighting against the hypocrites. See, right-wing conservative Christians miss the main issue. Yes, religion's fine. Ritual is comforting. Ritual brings us together. Ritual can be very good spiritually, personally, community-wise. But dogma exists to preserve power. And in this case, male power, overwhelmingly white male power, which is an earthly political structure. Keep up your rituals. Get rid of the dogma. Why would anyone want to believe in a God as small minded as a guy like Burke? These far right members of the church. We have to move the church away from them. We have to move all organized religion away from them. And again, atheists, I know you get mad when I talk like this. You don't have to believe any of this stuff to thump the Bible thumpers with the Bible because it's these frauds who got Donald Trump elected. It's the illusion of Christianity that keeps these conservative white people voting for him. Take away their camouflage. This guy was a blind, obedient administrator during all that pedophilia. And now he exists to preach to white nationalists. So again, I'm not much of a Catholic, haven't been in a long time, but I have a very deep history with the organization. I never took an oath to obey my father and do whatever he says, but this guy did. He excommunicated himself. Cardinal Burke shouldn't be surprised that he's getting kicked out of his house. He did it to himself. Pope Francis is just confirming that. And Pope, if you're listening, well done. You need to purge a lot more of these people from your house. We want to know what you think. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. We'll be back in just a moment with your calls. And Professor Corey Brechneider, let's get it moving on a Monday night. This is Progress. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. Let's talk for a second about dictators. Donald Trump, it turns out, is not immune from prosecution for his attempt to subvert the 2020 election, according to U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin. Just last Friday, she said his term of president does not serve as a shield against charges that he sought to defraud and disenfranchise millions of Americans. This, as all of our media begins to have multi-part series about whether there really is a chance of dictatorship. The New York Times has a multi-part series on Trump's threats to upend core elements of American governance. The Atlantic just began their first tranche of stories about the threat a second term poses to American democracy. And the Washington Post just published a 6,000 word op-ed by Robert Kagan called A Trump Dictatorship is Increasingly Inevitable. We should stop pretending. How worried should you be? I'm so glad to have Corey Brechtsteider with us. He is the professor with a Ph.D. in politics from Princeton and a law degree from Stanford, and he uses it to enrich the lives of students in the poli-sci department at Brown University. You should own his book, The Oath in the Office, A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents. Maybe you've read Corey's stuff uh, in uh, Time Magazine or The New York Times. And check out his Penguin Liberty series books on free speech, impeachment, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's notable cases. Professor Brechtsteider, welcome back to SiriusXM. Thanks, John. Always a pleasure and looking forward to the conversation, although the topic is pretty daunting. Well, I mean, I wanted to talk to you about it. These renewed worries about Donald Trump becoming a dictator. I, I, I don't know anyone who's terrified yet that he's looks good to actually get the job. But everyone I know is terrified about what could happen if conceivably somehow he could get reelected. Yeah. And, you know, let's say I think the chances are more than 20 percent that he does get elected. Um, maybe they're not 60, but that's enough. <laughs> We're talking about the end of American democracy. It's, yeah. It's really frightening. So, I, you know, I think there'll be people who say this is hyperbole. I think it's exactly the way this has to be framed, as opposed to we were talking last time we spoke about horse race coverage and how the sort of problem of covering Trump like a normal candidate. Well, this is starting not to do that. So I was actually pretty heartened 
I mean, these stories. Yeah, I mean, the New York Times points out today how he's glorified political violence and spoken admiringly of uh, autocrats for decades. I mean, we think all the time about him praising Duterte and Orban and Putin. I had totally forgot he praised Saddam Hussein as well. But yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it, he likes, uh, you know, that's that's a pretty consistent theme that authoritarian rulers, that's his thing. And, you know, one of the things I think that marked our very first conversation i wrote that piece trump versus the constitution was how little he understood the constitution indeed and i was hopeful then that the sort of traditional checks would work to stop him that he'd try a bunch of stuff and that would be the end of him and you know the american people would respond and he'd sort of either change or resign in disgrace or be impeached of course none of that happened uh he did lose the election after contesting it uh, but if he comes back this time, he'll just know so much more. And that's one thing I think that really constitutes the danger here, that he understands how the system works. He has already reshaped the understanding of the Constitution by the Supreme Court, of course, the major body that interprets the document by putting his own mark on it with his three appointments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they really have risk uh, empowering him even more if he were to get this this term. So, uh, you know, it's a vulnerable system. The presidency is extremely dangerous. I usually refer to it as a loaded gun. Uh, And, you know, the problem before was that Trump didn't know how to pull the trigger. And now, now he's learned. Yeah, well, I mean, we're hearing a lot now about Project 2025, which everyone should begin educating themselves about really fast. But it does seem like this guy, an insurrectionist himself, is planning to potentially enact the Insurrection Act to seize authoritarian power his first day in office the act that should have been used against him he intends to use and they've leaked it out that this is the plan to try to stifle any protest in our free society i mean you know that that is one of the most frightening parts of the system we have these laws in place that were intended for good things uh the insurrection act of course was meant to right put down an insurrection like January 6th to uh, allow people to be charged with the crime of insurrection. But the way that he's intending to use it is is quite different. I should say, first of all, one of the most historic uses of the Insurrection Act was during the Eisenhower administration in Little Rock. That was the basis for federalizing uh, the National Guard and for for enforcing civil rights. And Eisenhower used a provision of, of the um, of the act that, that allows presidents to, in extraordinary circumstances, to in, enforce basic rights. Uh, now, what Trump is planning to do with it is very different. It's to suppress basic rights. Now, you know, somebody like me will say if he tries to use it to suppress protest, as he was going to do in, in uh, Oregon, and um, as we saw him do, for instance, in that terrible uh, event uh, with the Bible that That's he right. was showing, I think it was upside down in front mm-hmm. of uh uh, in, in Washington, D.C., uh, he, he he certainly wants to shut down dissent. Uh, the First Amendment should stop him from doing so. But then we have to say uh, First Amendment, of course, guaranteeing free speech. Uh, and but who would who would enforce that First Amendment that, against yeah. his use of the Insurrection Act? That would have to be this Supreme Court. And I'm pretty skeptical that they would. But this is where it gets kind of scary, because, I mean, there really are no checks on the president's power 
under the Insurrection Act as it is currently written. I mean, he, he's, he's talking about using the U.S. military as his own domestic police force, either sending them to the to guard the border or, you know, replacing the generals with sycophants and deploying them however he feels like. It, it, it does seem like yeah. this is an area where maybe uh, it's a little too late to cry out for legal reform to what the Insurrection Act is. I mean, it can be rewritten. You know, it's not in the it's not the Constitution. It's an act of Congress. And, you know, that so I'm going to talk to um, uh, uh, congressional staff uh, actually starting next week about this. And I've been pushing for a change to the Insurrection Act. But then we have to be realistic. You know, are, is really the Republican uh, House of Representatives going to support this? So maybe we could get a few. Uh, moderate Republicans to join in. But, um, you know, I, I think it's doubtful. And yeah, it's frightening. I mean, we have to call attention to it. I think that's part of it and, and at least try to change it. One frustration that I've had with the Joe Biden administration is they haven't focused on reform to the presidency because presidents yeah. don't want to give up their own power. And that's really what we would require Joe Biden to do. And um, there are all sorts of ways, I think, to prepare against the Trump presidency that we haven't. And the result is we're handing him over just enormous power. And this, you know, seemingly obscure act, the Insurrection Act, could be one of the ways that he uh, basically builds his own dictatorship. I mean, Corey, I want to get off this topic in a second. But is it true that under the Insurrection Act, presidents can call on reserve or active duty military to respond to anything they decide is unrest and that this authority is in no way reviewable by the courts? Well, I mean, you know, legally, the First Amendment constrains any act of Congress. The First Amendment is part of the Constitution. And when you have a statute and you have a constitutional protection, the rights protection, the constitutional rights protection is supposed to win out. So I, I would definitely hesitate to say that, that that's right as a matter of law. But what courts often do is they find excuses and reasons to allow basically the constitutional rights that are supposed to protect us to be superseded by presidential action. And they tend to do that, especially in crises. And so I just have never really counted on the Supreme Court to protect us. And, uh, you know, I think that that Little Rock precedent that I talked about, you'll hear a lot from the justices about that in, yeah. in a case involving Trump's use of the Insurrection Act to suppress dissent. Um, but I'll still at the same time you know, keep speaking up and say this is an abuse of it. It's an abuse of, of what the act was meant to do. And it's certainly an abuse of our First Amendment if we allow it to be used to, to trample on it. That really would be dictatorship if it, if it came to that. Uh, and it, it just stresses, you know, how important it is to clarify the act, because I think if the act had clear limits in it, uh, then the idea that somehow it, it trumps or is not limited by the First Amendment would would never really over get, get off the ground. It would yeah. limit the power in the in the statute. So well, I mean, that's I what all these articles important. say. I mean, they, they've leaked so yeah. much about their plans that they, they seem to really be planning an autocracy where this guy, this this guy who was fired from his own reality show for being too racist, where he can tell the DOJ who to prosecute and who not to prosecute. He could tell the FCC who gets yep. a broadcast license or who should have their license revoked yep. because they own a media that criticized me. I mean, this guy's second term seems to be planning a huge transformation of our entire civil society and and, and yeah, to and say nothing of gutting than it, than it sounds you of know course. the 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 insurrection act is one one example of where the danger lies but when it comes to the department of justice you know for a long time we had an independent prosecutor who could charge the president with a crime was not subject to firing by the president 
And Bill Clinton basically brushed that law aside, and we're back to the system that we had during Nixon now, where the basically the prosecutors in the Department of Justice are subject to control by the attorney general, and that attorney general could be fired by the president, and more than that, could be chosen with an eye towards listening to a president when it comes to, to abuse. Now, you know, there are still checks. Uh, judges aren't going to just sign off on political prosecutions. They'll um, you know, call the prosecutors who try that into court and find them in contempt, some of them. But let's remember, too, how many of these judges are Trump judges yeah. and how many more he can put. So, you know, there are ways around it. And his loyalists uh, in the three branches of government, that, that's what that's what frightens me. I mean, that's what third world dictatorships have done throughout Latin America and South America, and it certainly could happen here, too. Well, and likewise, I mean, the goal seems to be um, uh, continuing what he did his first term and that some institutions, some some departments can just be starved. Just don't staff them. I mean, if you can't actually right. kill the EPA, just don't staff it. And may, yeah, remember what it, he did, too, is he had his uh, political appointees lock out the civil servants at one point. That, yeah. That's a sign of the kind of move that we can expect from him. And this time he'll go further. I mean, he thinks I'm sure he'll argue and he, he doesn't he doesn't have this language yet, but he'll have it soon that the Pendleton Act, which prevents civil servants from political firing, is unconstitutional because it usurps the president's power to hire and fire at will. And, you know, that's just a matter of time before that that way of thinking uh, starts to infect uh, the way that he's going to govern. And is the Supreme Court going to go along with it? There's a case that they love called um Myers versus Nebraska about a president's ability to hire and fire at will in the executive branch. And we might see them expand that case to say, yeah, you this depends on act and anything that limits the president's p- power basically over his own officials uh, is unconstitutional. And uh, that that's the, the sort of another road to dictatorship. There. But it, it does sort of seem like, you know, when we keep hearing them talk about bombing Mexico, I mean, initiating a war with our number one trading partner. You know, we can all say how ridiculous that is and how it probably never would happen, but wow, they know it's popular, really popular among some ignorant white people. And I mean, it, it just, right. it boggles the mind that they could actually be, it just seems like it's a con, right? I mean, no no Republican is so craven, so, so racist that they'll actually declare war with our number one trade partner and wreck our economy to impress well, racists. We go again, this is a dictatorship, you know, story. I don't think you'll get a declaration of war from Congress against Mexico or Mexican drug cartels. The president <laughs> doesn't really in our system need a declaration of war. He can just send troops, claim it's a, an action, not a uh, not a war that is defensive. There are all sorts of ways. And the courts have done almost nothing to rein in presidents usurping the power of Congress to declare war. And uh, that's where we are. I, I really don't see on that one. I mean, when, when I was thinking about that one, I read that, too, in The Times. And I thought, wow, they're, they're, what's to stop him from, from mm. doing exactly that yeah. day one? And it's definitely not the courts. It's not Congress. And I, I think he could get away with it. And, and yeah, start a war with Mexico. Sometimes he's a peacenik. Sometimes he's a warmonger. Depends on He's the day. always an authoritarian. And, uh, always authoritarian. They're, they're always, always warmongers. Yeah. They're always warmongers. I mean, he, you know, he, he, he claimed to, in North Korea to, to, to back off, um, you know, the nuclear threats there. But, of course, he, he engaged in brinkmanship before he did that. 
So, yeah, all this sort of claim about uh, keeping America out of wars, I, I think, is is is, is not true. <laughs> yeah, you might see the worst of his war making ability. It's another example, like the Insurrection Act, where in the hands of a benign president, you know, probably isn't that dangerous. But when you have somebody like Trump, it's extremely dangerous because there's no check on it. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of the Constitution was to try to check the king's power to declare war, basically unilaterally. And in England. And, uh, you know, that 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 isn't working out so well. I mean, Professor, I, I, I it's a time of year when we're not shying away from criticizing Joe Biden for any number of reasons. When he deserves it, we do it. But I at least I know Joe Biden's not going to use the Insurrection Act to arrest <laughs> protesters and he's not going to appoint unqualified flunkies because they're obedient and he's right. not going to bomb Mexico. I, I, I feel right. confident in that. Can I can I ask no, you? He does not want to be dictator. No, a, uh, I would say. A normal president has done some good things, but the main thing is that he is respecting the democratic system. Yeah. My criticism of him is, you know, he's not seeing the danger. The danger isn't him. It's not a good president. It's I agree. a president who would uh, use the office to do ill. And we've had that before, at least twice, really more than that, as I'll argue in this book that's coming out. We've had multiple presidents, really, who have engaged in this kind of behavior. And we've always been lucky in that subsequent presidents have pulled us back from the brink. Mm. Uh, but it's never the court. And one of the ways that you, you're supposed to pull us back from the brink is by reinstituting the guardrails. And, and I just haven't seen that, unfortunately, from this administration at all. Corey, for our, our, our final minutes together, I want to talk to you about Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, who um, was, of course, the first woman to serve on the court, who who died last week at age 93. She's someone that we always thought of as a tremendous arch conservative until we saw the arch conservatives that followed her. Um, it's kind of amazing that that some of her most important legacies have already been eliminated since she left the court. Wow, I'd say all of them. I mean, she was a moderate, but certainly not a progressive. Uh, and I think, you know, when it came to who she voted for and she was a Republican, I would have had a lot of disagreements with her. But she really kept the court as a court, kept law uh, consistent, uh, kept our rights intact. And so if I just go through Please. that list of the right to an abortion, she protected it. She in sure the did. Decision. Uh, the affirmative action she protected in the Michigan decision and uh, rights against um, theocracy, against government establishing religion or doing things like the establishment of religion. She did that as well. And. Uh, she kind of held things together for a while, for a, a, a good, you know, couple decades there. Uh, but it's all those things that I just mentioned are gone. You have a court that is increasingly theocratic. A court yeah. that, of course, has gotten rid of abortion rights, and we have no affirmative action. So all the things she was really holding in place as a moderate are are totally gone, and it's a sign of the times how badly her legacy has been washed away. She was often, you know, among the majority in 5-4 decisions on on both sides. I mean, she was called a a swing vote many times, uh, even though she didn't like that. And, and, you know, she did put George W. Bush in the White House, in Bush v. Gore. But yeah, she protected legalized abortion. She protected race-based affirmative action. She protected McCain finance. And my God, all of those things have since been turned over. Um, she 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 helped overturn the state bans on on gay sex. Uh, can I ask you a bit about her opinions on the limits of government role in public life in Lynch v. Donnelly? I think you know that's one of the least appreciated things that she did. Uh, but she really came up with a way of understanding the limit on theocracy, and more specifically, the ban on laws that respect or relate to an establishment of religion. 
And she came up with what I think of as a really elegant way to think about it. She said, look, it's fine for government to teach about religion, to have displays, for instance, like the one that the court has in which we celebrate the multiplicity of religions and the contributions they play to institutions like law. But what goes too far is when government tries to say religion X is the true religion. So Mm. uh, in a series of cases about uh, creches and public spaces, she said, it's one thing if they're part of a overall display. So when that case Lynch that you mentioned, there's a Santa Claus and secular symbols. And she says, this is really a holiday event, and I'm not going to criticize that. But she said, when the creche is alone and there's a sign that says uh, Jesus is Lord, uh, that's another thing, and that's that's where the court's going to draw the line. It's an elegant way of saying we don't live in a theocracy, we live in a democracy, and uh, here's a way to think about that. Amen. Um, Professor, I'm really looking forward to what the next year brings, and I'm so glad you're going to be here to help uh, us keep it all sane. I- anything on your radar for the week to come? And, and do you have any thoughts on uh, Judge Tanya Chutkin telling Donald Trump that, uh, sorry, they can anyone who wants to sue you for January 6th can sue you? I do. I think we should devote uh, next week to that because, you know, it is true that for now Trump hasn't been able to claim immunity. But one of the main things that he will do when he is elected is claim immunity as a sitting president. And I am really sorry to say this, but he will win that case. It'll be at least 5-4. And the court will say uh, sitting presidents are immune from prosecution. And so that means that ongoing trials are over. <laughs> And as sick as that sounds, that's exactly what I think is going to happen. And I don't really have any doubt about it. And that is an area where even though a president can't pardon themselves in a state crime, they can still just say those cases have to be put on hold for four years until he leaves office. Exactly. That's exactly what he'll say. He won't try to pardon himself in those cases. He'll just say uh, sitting presidents are immune from being tried in the same way they're immune from being indicted. It's just too distracting. And there was a Department of Justice memo from Clinton and from Nixon that say that. And then there's dicta in a case called Trump v. Vance uh, from Justice Alito. And he'll use all of that to try to build a claim of immunity. And I'm really worried. I think, by the way, he shouldn't win that. I think it's ridiculous. It's not in the Constitution. Mm. But that's the kind of thing that he's done in building this court. Professor Brett Schneider, we are always so grateful when you slum it with us on Mondays. Thank you so much. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you, sir, and keep up with all your work? I would say uh, look at your favorite bookstore at the Norton website at my book, The Presidents and the People, and it's about what we've been talking about. It's five presidents who threaten democracy, and it's also hopeful because it's about the citizens who fought to defend it. I can't wait to uh, get a copy and read your new book, and I can't wait to devote a whole hour to talking about it sometime. So thank you so much, Corey. Thanks, John. All right. Have a great one. we got to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment, and we will be taking your calls at 866-997-GRIT. So don't go away. This is Progress. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. Let me go to the phones. Uh, Tony in Pennsylvania, you're on Progress. Hey, John. Uh, great show. Uh, great Thank interview. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. One of the uh, things that was touched upon, though, that I cannot believe is still up for debate is whether it's Trump the hawk or Trump the dove. And, you know, like that theory, what is it, Occam's razor theory yeah, that, yeah. you know, is usually the, the, the simplest explanation, most obvious explanation is probably the correct one. Yeah. Trump is a lethargic pig. OK, yes. and that's not and that's an insult to pigs. No, you're right. Now, you're right. Does, does anybody think for a hot second that he is not smart enough to understand that he would never trouble himself to be involved in even a uh, a, a small war? Oh, there I disagree. I think he'd be very happy to engage us in a small war if it meant distracting from a big scandal. I think he would do it in a second. He'd wag the dog, no doubt. But do you think do you do you really think or do you really think that he yeah, would he would still because the, the man lived at Mar-a-Lago the I idea know. that he would have to drag his ass up to the White House and yeah. live there yeah. and be the wartime president no, he and wouldn't, have to he, learn he wouldn't words. do that he wouldn't he would not do that he'd be terrible what I'm saying is I wouldn't put it past him because mm. I hear this question all the time is, is Trump really a dove or is he a warmonger the answer is like is he a fascist no he believes in nothing. He believes in himself and getting away with shit. Nothing. So he's an authoritarian. He'll pretend he's anti-war like with Iraq, but he loves the war Putin's waging in Ukraine. None of these guys are anti-war. They're always on the side of authoritarianism, whether it's a war or peace. They believe nothing. Right. right. Yeah. No, no I, 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 no, I do agree with you there. I just wonder that if he would have the... Uh, if he would have the, the stamina to to do it himself, under that he would be responsible for even coming he to a camera and having to learn new words every day, and we'd be and offended. Be at it. We'd all yeah. freak out okay. that he didn't care about war, and he would fundraise off those triggered liberals. You know exactly what it would be doing. They'd be shipping home body yeah. bags, and he'd be playing golf because he don't give a fuck. And weak people that's will think right. that's strength. You know how it's going to be. That's right. Except yeah, yeah. Won't. No, you're right because he's he's not smart. He's not dumb. He's yeah. wily. He's he believes just, in himself alone, wily. Tony, and I believe. Even you. Thank you so much. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the great run. You really didn't think I was going to make it on time, did you, Thea? We'll be right back with Rhonda Hanson on your calls. This is Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, 
propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back. Uh, the bad news is George Santos is not in Congress anymore. The good news is he's all over Cameo. And for $200, you can get him to say anything you want him to say, which is kind of how it already was anyway. Really quick, on Face the Nation this weekend, former Congresswoman Liz Cheney arrived with another warning to America about a potential second Trump presidency. Told us what he will do. People who say, well, if he's elected, it's not that dangerous because we have all of these checks and balances, don't fully understand the extent to which the Republicans in Congress today have been co-opted. One of the things that we see happening today is a sort of a, a sleepwalking into a dictatorship in the United States. Yeah, uh, she's right. On CNN, they asked Lindsey Graham if he would respond to Liz Cheney. Uh, I think a continuation of the Biden presidency would be a disaster for peace and prosperity at, <laughs> at home and abroad. Our borders broken. The only person really going to fix a broken border is Donald Trump. When he was president, none of this stuff was going on in Ukraine. You know, Hamas and all these other terrorist groups were afraid of Trump. I think Liz's hatred of Trump is real. I understand why people don't like what he does and says at times, but in terms of actions and results. He was far better president for Biden. And if we have four more years of this, Liz Cheney, then we won't recognize America and the world will be truly on fire. Listen to Puffy Little Weasel. Oh, I'm so glad the Bidens have X'd you off their Christmas card list, you impeaching of Clinton, lying closeted douche canoe. First off, peace and prosperity. There was war in the Middle East when Donald Trump was president. Hamas was not afraid of Donald Trump. And let's 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 give you a glimpse of some of the peace and prosperity he's talking about. This is again, this is who Lindsey Graham's fighting for. You ready? And you can you, you can hear the shame. In Miss Lindsay's voice, can't you? You can hear the part of him that was once a nice little boy who cared about people is now ridden with cancer and decomposing as he talks. Here is the guy that Lindsey Graham traded his very slight manhood for this weekend. This is Donald Trump doing what he does in Iowa, urging his supporters to spend Election Day bullying election workers in Detroit and Philadelphia. The most important part of what's coming up is to guard the vote. And you should go into Detroit and you should go into Philadelphia and you should go into some of these places, Atlanta, and you should go into some of these places and we got to watch those votes when they come in, when they're being, you know, uh, shoved around in wheelbarrows and dumped on the floor and everyone's saying, what's going on? We're like a third world nation, a third world nation, and we can't let it happen. I, I don't like talking in vulgar terms, and you people are a nice audience. You deserve better, but I'm sorry. That man is Vladimir Putin's jizzrag. I just got to start calling him PJR. I, I don't even know anymore. Let's go. Marie in Atlanta, welcome. You're on SiriusXM. Have you read Liz Cheney's book yet? <laughs> I have not read the book. Um, I did watch her interview this weekend and her interview just earlier this evening. Um 
I'm deeply conflicted. I'm honestly deeply convic- conflicted. Um, on the one hand, yeah, it's great that she's saying all of this stuff about how Donald Trump is a danger to democracy. Um, I think we kind of knew that, or at least those of us who've been paying attention. Um, on the other hand, I find that she, her father came into office on the basis of election denialism. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, hang on, a racist election denialism. Let's not let's not leave that out. He began his political career saying the first black president wasn't valid. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, if you if you look at it from that perspective, there's a part of me that's very cynical about what this is re- what her book and what her message is really all about. When she says that the party that she first joined and that her father was in, um, was loyal to the Constitution and, you know, uh, was, was you know, defending and supporting the Constitution. My, there's a part of me that says, oh, so you've got this guy now that you all brought into office who, you know, had that, I can't remember, was it Grover Norquist, had enough prehensile digits to hold the pen to sign whatever <laughs> exactly. they in front of him. That's what he said about the Romney. Problem, yeah, Exactly. But the problem was that he also, you know, he, he, he didn't just go along with the plan. Like he had, he had a mouth, right? And he, and he had a mouthpiece and a bully pulpit so that now they want the Trump policies. They just don't want Trump because mm-hmm. they've, they've, they've got the courts rigged the way they want it. They've got the state legislatures rigged the way they want it so that they'll gerrymander us all into, you know, into oblivion. But... You know, and and in theory, yeah, that's that's the Constitution. So when she says, you know, she's doing this because she thinks that the Republican Party is not willing to govern in accordance with the Constitution. No, it's the Republican Party has got the laws and everything just set just right. And now we need to get rid of that guy. That's what the cynical part of me says. I agree. That I mean, has nothing I, to do with. I said this all last summer. I loved the January 6th hearings, but I, you know, Liz Cheney uh, to me was, it was always an advertisement for Ron DeSantis' political career. Liz Cheney has never come out and endorsed a Democrat. She will not endorse a Democrat. Liz Cheney still wants women to go to jail for abortion. Still thinks Iraq was great. Still wants billionaires to get another tax cut. She is very, very right wing. She just wants to have a different hood ornament on the car. She's not changing vehicles. Exactly. She wants a different hood ornament. Yeah. Well, and she said in the interview this evening with Rachel Maddow that she supported Democrats in races where they were being opposed by election deniers. And that was the point where I was like, wait a minute, didn't her dad get into office on the basis of election yeah, denialism? Exactly. Like Bush v. Gore, if I recall. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I'm saying there's this part of me that is just seeing this in a very, very cynical way. And while I appreciate that she's saying something... There's still that part of me that keeps going back to the why. That's where I'm at, Marie. I will always be grateful to Liz Cheney for telling the truth about one thing. She's a Cheney who tells the truth about something, so that's great. But I talk to these Democrats and liberals all the time who are, like, drunk in love with her. And I'm like, guys, she's not on your side. She just agrees with you about one thing. She tells the truth about one thing. Doesn't make her a progressive hero. Doesn't make her resistance. It doesn't make her non-right wing. She is very right wing and embarrassed, which makes her a libertarian. (laughs) Good point, John. (laughs) Thank you, Counselor. 
Thank you. Let's see how it plays out. 866-997-4748 is our number. Sean and Callie, how are you, sir? Good evening and welcome. Brother John, I'm doing good. So, you know, we're, we're listening to this Donald Bin Laden, you know, talk a bunch of trash everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And he does this phony-ass, you know, grievance thing. Yeah. And I understand grievance, you know, remember, you know, with Bernie and all that, I understand there's a lot of grievance out there. But it's really hard to, you know, you know, take him seriously when, you know, he, he's grifting and mooching off of that. <laughs> so... So you know what I call that, right? I call that the art of the squeal. Nice. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's the art of the squeal, people. And he's going to keep doing it, and it works. Yeah, it works for him. You know. Well, I mean, I mean, how do you mean it works? Like, like in what sense? He's hemorrhaging money. He's got ninety-one criminal counts. He probably owes two billion dollars to Deutsche Bank. I mean, it, it might seem like it's working to us, but when you when you view it from a higher ground, this guy's got a very sad life, and he acts like a very desperate man. Oh, in that sense, I'm with you one hundred thousand percent. He he's he's bleeding. He is he's gushing blood mm. in in that sense. I, that I understand, but I'm saying he's running for president, right? So I yeah. guess I, I should have said in the political lens, you know, this is what he does because he needs those people on the margins to even have a chance. And the sad thing is that there's even people on the margins that can give him a chance. But, you know, I'm not um, naive to know that, uh, you know, we got it in the bag or something, because I'll tell you what, people – we have to show up and we have to make sure that all your calculations are, you know, um, policy as opposed to falling in love with politicians or not liking them. I don't agree with anybody. Yeah. I, my, our friend, maybe you, I, I, Norman Goldman, and I yes. agree with him on this. Lovely guy. Yes, Norman. Hey, the only person I agree with all the time is myself. So don't fall in love with a <laughs> politician. But agree with the politician. I mean, uh, the policies. Yeah. Agree with those because those, in overall, will will get us to the point we want to get to, right? Let's and hope. The only person I have to tell you, John, that I really just absolutely have to say I did fall in love with was Obama, and Donald Bin Laden. He just wants to make sure that you think that there, you know, Kenya, the African continent. <laughs> Is in the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. He, and they still do that. And by the way, I think the reason why Donald Bin Laden keeps mentioning Obama is because he's trying to remind people that he thinks he's losing. That, oh, no, I'm still. As no, you want to know the reason why he keeps mentioning Obama and he, and, no, he, and, and seemingly no. confusing Biden with Obama. And then he comes out and does his Pee Wee Herman. I meant to do that and says uh, <laughs> he, he's only doing it to remind people that Obama's really pulling the strings behind this. No, it's that. Biden is not hated like Obama was hated and Trump can't succeed without hate. Do you know that at right wing events and if you go to them, I've been to CPAC a few times, you'll see that they still sell all the anti Obama shit. They still sell all the anti Hillary shit. Yeah. And that stuff. Right. Right. But the the anti Obama and anti Hillary merch still sell better than anti-Biden merch. It turns out, no matter how much they hate the ideology, no matter how much they hate the decency, no matter how much they hate women having agency over their own bodies, 
they don't mind it as much when it's an old white man doing it as when it's a woman or a black man man doing it. So you're going to hear Donald Trump bringing up Obama as much as humanly possible because he needs the racism. And he's trying to appeal to the same folks who didn't mind his years of racist lies that the first black president wasn't born here, just like they didn't mind his lies that Hillary Clinton said at first. She never did. I'm with you, brother. It's called the art of the squeal. Right on, man. I like it. Going to get the tattoo right now. Thank you, Sean. Have a good one. 866-997-4748. Rich in Indiana. What's going on with the egg fixing, the egg price fixing? What's happening? Well, I'm hoping that you can help shed some light on this. I just wanted to be the opportunity for you to look it up because it was that week when I was talking about it that they were going to be going to trial. It was in uh, northern Illinois. Yeah. uh, The federal... court there yeah and uh, right before thanksgiving was, we found out was, like the the jury found the egg producers and industry illegally rigged the market to drive up the price of eggs in other words we should blame joe biden but go on well okay so here's here's the thing that just keeps on poking me and that is that these guys took this thing on at some evil scheme that was you know hatched somewhere <laughs> no pun intended. where did it come from you know who who did this because i'm i'm pointing to the historical example of a powell memo of how to screw with the economy to be able to blame the authority uh that's that's the you know competition for the republicans to get into the white house mm-hmm call call troubles that they make yeah. in secret yes and you know where do we where do we okay so like there's, there's that's why i keep that's why i keep saying we have we have on. to stop calling it inflation and call it corporate greed because that's what it is and in this case this was this was lobbyists this was people having corporate profiteering by big agriculture influencing the price of eggs well does it say what the um uh, the sentence was the the outcome because that was what was next. Yeah, uh, was, I don't know if it's got the jury found that the egg producers Cal Maine Foods and Roseacre Farms trade group United Egg Producers okay. uh, that yeah. they rigged the egg market by coordinating measures including early hen slaughters. Yada yada yada. There's going to be a second trial phase now setting up uh, after Thanksgiving, which oh. is now where the jury will determine how much to award in damages to the companies that launched the antitrust yes, claims. Yes. And again, those companies that launched they launched the antitrust claims. We're Kraft, Kellogg, General Mills, and Nestle, a whole right, different slate of right. bad guys. So in other words, we're taking money from these bad guys to pay these other bad guys. It's all processed food. And the, the thing to recognize here is where do prices come from? And they begin with ingredients. Yeah. And so this this thing begins with the jacking of ingredients that is... I mean, this is this is really substantial in the knock on effect that this this one little, you know, spot of evil that these guys take on as a (laughs) is is able to, you know, roll on and 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 smack the the entire grocery uh, basket full. Yeah. You know, people are buying stuff and it's all too much. I I heard that um, grocery prices were approximately 20 percent more right now than they were Mm pre-pandemic. And they're saying, well, this is the new normal. And it's like, well, fucking A, it's not. It is. It's a jacked up thing. But it's it's that's why we have to stop calling it inflation and call it what it is. It's price gouging. You know, and 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 it's it's orchestrated. 
So like, like put, put, put some hard words in there that explain to people that, you know, this is a scheme. Right. But you're never going to hear it. And I fear you won't hear it from Democrats, my friend, because they'll be afraid that it'll cost them corporate donor donations when their reelection campaigns, too. I mean, we literally have a unanimous jury found that egg production, that the, the whole egg industry conspired to increase prices and limit production. Like it, what, this wasn't during the recent price hike. This is back, you know, 12 years ago. And they've been fighting for 12 years just to get this case done. Like, that's how long it took. So, again, when the egg prices went up a little bit after the pandemic, they flipped out. But, again, these prices are set by wealthy people. And when the prices of everything else go down, they won't lower the price of food. The CEO bonuses have not been disturbed at all. And that is the scandal here. Everyone else paid more. Everyone else suffered during the pandemic. But the rich got richer. That's why we say it's a rigged economy. Yeah. I, I would also like to point out the idea of the frontline workers that are the people who work at grocery stores yes, sir. as being squeezed. These people are in a union and they're fighting yeah. for their lives to have a wage. They're fighting and, to keep their jobs and not be replaced by automated checkout counters. And that's, well, that's that's a wonderful weird thing that seems to be going back and forth. I don't know if I was hearing a disinformation story or not, but they are like trying to reverse stuff because it's so horrible. There's a company in England that's facing, there's a grocery store in England that's phasing them out, but it's not, it's it's not really widespread yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really widespread. I don't think you're going to see the whole foods of America going back to paying a living wage to people when they can have a machine do it. Rich, I got to run, but I thank you for the call, man. It's a pleasure to hear from you. Thank you. This is progress. 